You're listening to the N2K Space Network. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. China and the U.S. both have ambitions for a base on the moon. And wouldn't it be something if, while the two major players are in fierce competition with each other to get their base on the moon first, well, who says those are the only two competitors at play? What if someone else just kind of swoops in while everyone else is distracted? Well, keep an eye on India, because they could make it happen. Anyway, Alice, I'm bracing myself for today's Friday dad joke. Yes, uh, this is Alice. Um, so in honor of yesterday, You sound a little Maria, different today, Alice. <laughs> yes, my uh, my voice is a, is a little froggy, you know. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those days. So here's your uh, Friday dad joke uh, in honor of yesterday's big All story. Right. Um, why did the tomato go to space? <laughs> I don't know, Alice. Why did the tomato go to space? Because it didn't want to be a garden variety vegetable. Oh, you know, honestly, I'm giving that snaps and a clap. That. <laughs> Thank I you. Like that I uh, I came I like up it. with that. I might use that I came one. up with that this morning uh, on the flight up to Boston. Um, because go Navy, beat Army. Anyone at the game tomorrow? Let me know. Today is December 8th, 2023. I'm Maria Varmazes. I'm Brandon Karp, and this is T-Minus. India shares an ambitious 2047 roadmap for lunar missions and moon tourism. The strategic Dish Echo Star merger gets greenlit by the FCC. Rocket Lab lands a launch for South Korea's NeonSat 1. ESA ventures into developing a high-thrust rocket engine. And later in the show, we sit down with Samaya Aswadi, a member of the Afghan Girls Robotics team, to hear her story. So let's take a look at our Intel briefing for this Friday. In a recent interview... S. Somanath, the chairman of India's space agency ISRO, shared that India is planning to build the first unit of its own space station by 2028, and they're eyeing moon tourism as part of its 2047 roadmap. 
This roadmap includes multiple lunar missions and a sustained human presence on the moon. ISRO Chairman Asamanath confirms that these plans are realistic and achievable within the timelines. Future missions like the joint Indian-Japanese Lupex rover and Chandrayaan-4 lunar sample return are steps towards docking with NASA's Gateway Space Station, a crewed lunar landing, and ultimately, a sustainable lunar economy based on mining and tourism. The development of the Next Generation Launch Vehicle, or NGLV, is crucial for these endeavors, with ISRO aiming for a partially reusable design using current Indian manufacturing capabilities. The lunar missions, spanning technology development, reach-out, and base phases, will involve uncrewed and crewed missions, habitat construction, and infrastructure scaling on the moon. And while these plans are yet to be finalized or approved, ISRO's ambitious vision reflects India's growing commitment to advancing its space capabilities. Dish Network and EchoStar, both under billionaire chairman Charlie Ergen, received FCC approval to merge in order to consolidate satellite TV and broadband service. This move, finalizing a months-old plan, aims to strengthen their market position against cable competition and diversify revenues, notably with EchoStar's upcoming Jupiter-3 satellite launch and Dish's 5G rollout. Rocket Lab received a launch contract for South Korea's Neonsat-1, an Earth observation satellite, for early 2024. This mission, part of a NASA rideshare, demonstrates Rocket Lab's growing launch schedule and commitment to efficient, timely space services. Neonsat-1, primarily a technology demonstration mission, marks a significant step in South Korea's space development. And as we reported last week, Amazon has made a strategic pivot by purchasing SpaceX rocket launches for its ambitious Project Kuiper. This move, driven by a pressing FCC deadline, involves deploying 1,618 satellites within the next two and a half years. Previously, Amazon had diversified its launch providers, contracting with ULA, Blue Origin, Ariana Space, and ABL for 94 launches. However, development delays with these other providers' rockets ultimately pushed Amazon towards SpaceX, which is, of course, a direct competitor in the satellite internet market through Starlink. This partnership highlights the dynamic and pragmatic approach in the space industry, where achieving ambitious technological goals often leads to some unexpected alliances. Amazon's decision underscores the criticality of reliable and rapid launch services in the competitive satellite broadband market, as well as the influence of their board, pushing them to choose the most cost-effective launch provider. NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, is innovating to extend the life of its older polar orbiting satellites using cloud-based systems, a cost-effective strategy to enhance Earth observation capabilities. These satellites, which are crucial for weather forecasting and climate study, will now operate beyond their expected lifespans. This approach not only retains valuable data sources, but also complements NOAA's newer Joint Polar Satellite Series. By partnering with the private sector for this ground system as a service, NOAA demonstrates a forward-thinking model in satellite management, setting a precedent for future low-Earth orbit missions and technological advancements in space-based environmental monitoring. The European Space Agency is initiating development of a high-thrust rocket engine. 
aiming for a capability of at least 250 tons of thrust, which is comparable to SpaceX's Raptor engine that powers Starship. This project, part of the Future Launchers Preparatory Program, is a strategic move to enhance ESA's domestic heavy-lift launch capabilities and could ultimately support future human spaceflight missions. While still early days, this initiative marks a significant step in advancing European space technology and competitiveness in global space exploration. NASA has awarded the University of Pennsylvania a $2 million grant for the Trusses Project for Innovative Lunar Robotics. The research aims to develop algorithms for robots to autonomously navigate and overcome the moon's environmental challenges. This project, led by UPenn Engineering, involves creating strategies for robot teams to form secure structures, assess terrain, and map safe paths, enhancing lunar exploration capabilities. And here's an interesting one for you manufacturers out there. A new chromium, cobalt, and nickel alloy has been identified as officially the toughest material known, offering potential advantages for spacecraft construction. Now, unlike hardness, toughness indicates resilience against fracturing, which is a critical property for materials used in space exploration, where extreme conditions are common. This development could significantly impact spacecraft design and durability. The Space Development Agency and the Army are collaborating to develop alternatives to GPS satellite signals for positioning, navigation, and timing. Next year, SDA's Tranche 1 transport layer satellites will launch, carrying a navigation element in the Link 16 data link signal. These initiatives address potential GPS accessibility and jamming issues in conflict zones. Additionally, SDA is exploring broadcasting alternate PNT signals over L-band or S-band, requiring new user equipment, with decisions on these technologies expected after 2028. And that about does it for today's Intel Briefing. And in our selected reading, we've also included a piece from IEEE Spectrum about a new flood monitoring method using time series SAR images and fuzzy logic. And another from The Guardian on NASA working with Astrobotic. As always, you can check out our show notes and any past episodes you might have missed over at space.n2k.com. And hey, T-minus crew, tune in tomorrow for T-minus Deep Space, our show for extended interviews, special editions, and deep dives with some of the most influential professionals in the space industry. Now, tomorrow we have episode three of AWS in Orbit. Our guests are Iga Stokenberger from the World Bank and Baptiste Tripard from Altea. They join us to discuss their project monitoring critical road infrastructure at scale. Now check it out while you're baking holiday cookies, wrapping presents, or most importantly, traveling to Foxborough, Massachusetts for the Army-Navy game. You won't want to miss it. Uh, Tomorrow's Army-Navy game is, of course, the 124th in the series. Navy, of course, leads 62 wins in the series to Army's only 54. And as always, go Navy, beat Army. The IT world used to be simpler, 
You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Our guest today is Samaya Aswadi. Samaya is a member of the Afghan Girls Robotics Team and a student at Stony Brook University. The Afghan Girls Robotics Team is the subject of the documentary called Afghan Dreamers, about their formation as an international competitive robotics team in defiance of the Taliban's religious edicts against education for girls. She shared what the Afghan Girls Robotics Team is working on now and her own future ambitions in space. I am Samaya Aswadi. I'm a member of Afghan Girls Robotic Team. And also I'm a student at Stony Brook University majoring in computer science. So my robotics journey started when I was in sixth grade. We had uh, to make some uh, mini robots in my school. And from that time, I realized that I'm interested in robotics. So I continued that uh, field until I became at 11th grade and I participated in some uh, evaluation for being an Afghan uh, robotics member. And then I was accepted in that evaluations and I became a member of uh, Afghan Girls Robotic Team since 2021. And then after the uh, collapse of previous government in Afghanistan, we traveled to Qatar to continue my education because, as you know, that um, universities and schools are banned in my country. So I couldn't continue uh, my education and follow my dreams. And I studied um, pre-college in Qatar for one year. Uh, then I got acceptance of six universities in USA. And I chose Stony Brook University, and now I'm here. Stony Brook has a, has a really wonderful and very strong sciences and engineering program, which I don't know if all our listeners know that, but I proudly know that. So I just wanted to put yeah. a plug for your fantastic university. They do great things. So tell me a bit about your team, the, uh, the Afghan Girls Robotic Team. Overall, I can say that um, we have senior members and we have new members. I'm one of the new members. And uh, we participated in first global competition last year that was in Switzerland. We built a robot the, for that competition and that was a carbon capture robot. That's not like literally uh, capturing carbon, but it was a model that was helping to uh, reduce uh, the pollution in air, and um, it was for climate change, helping climate change. And we uh, actually got two awards for that. Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And now also we are uh, trying to work again together because, as you know, we all of us, like, um, we are 10 members. So we started our universities. And maybe in summer, we gather together and uh, work again on 
uh, human-shaped uh, robots. Wow. Okay, so that's okay. That's really cool. Uh, all of that is really cool. So I was going to say, what areas of interest in robotics? So I, I mean, climate change is the pressing issue of our time. Uh, so that is a big one to be working on something related to, to helping save our our world. Human shaped robotics. I know there's a lot of application for that in space application. Um, is that part of the interest there? Uh, I can say personally, it is part of my interest because. I want to um, be in a space field, and I can say that uh, we are trying to uh, build all of those robots to help, and we can. We, we are kind of uh, doing an innovation. Our team works on different uh, fields. Like it's not only about space or about climate change. We find the problems that are in our society and trying to. Um, solve those problems by building robots. For example, in my country, there are so many minefields. So we built um, mine detector robots. So instead of human, um, we can uh, bring the robot and we can use that robot to find the mines and detect the mines and send some signals to the human uh, resource and they can like understand that yes, in this uh, area, exact area, there is a mine, so they can take it out. So this is something that we work on it. And also for COVID, we build a robot uh, robot that help doctors, and it was um, called Wondelator, and it was helping doctors with the oxygen, and yeah. The recent one of the recent robots uh, that we have uh, built is for paralyzed people, people who cannot move any part of their body except their eyes pupil. So whenever you, whenever the paralyzed person move their eyeballs, so the robot can uh, move. Like it's it's called paralyzed uh, wheelchair, wheelchair for for paralyzed people. Yeah. Wow. When I was an undergraduate engineering school, I wasn't doing anything nearly that fantastic. So I'm in awe of you. Uh, that's that's really amazing, uh, especially. I mean, how many programming languages have you learned already? I mean, that's I'm, robotics alone, but also the programming languages. That's not small either. We learned uh, different uh, programming language. We learned Java, C sharp, and recently we were working on Python because it's also so famous these years. And before that, I was in um, gaming um, team before being in um, Afghan Nurse Robotic Team. And in that uh, wow. team, I learned Java, C Sharp, C++. Yeah. And now here, I'm learning Python. I'm 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 in awe of all the things that you've done already, uh, and as I, you're just getting started, <laughs> just, it's it's truly incredible. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on all that you've done already so far. This is you're truly an incredible person. When you look ahead to the future after your undergraduate years are over, I know that <laughs> there's a lot between then and now. But what what are your ambitions after you graduate? So I have so many plans. Like even if I talk about it it takes a lot of time so i'm so curious i'd love to hear (laughs) uh first i want to continue my education i don't want to be just an undergraduate like um like i want to continue my master degree my i want to take my phd 
like it's my dream like my goal and I'm working on it every day to take my master's degree and PhD and I also want to work like my dream job is to work for NASA and as an engineer and as a programmer and every day I'm trying to work on myself learn new things be part of a new um, conference like participate in different things to be a person uh, who can work for NASA. NASA would be very lucky to have you, for the record. They would be very lucky to have you um, because with your skill set and what you can do, you could, you have your, truly, you'll have your choice of anywhere you want to go. Now, I'm a person who really admires NASA, but I want to hear sort of your view on, so why why NASA of all the different options that you, you, I'm sure, have ahead of you? What about NASA appeals to you? Uh, so it's something that I, I'm dreaming since I was a child. Uh, so I always talk about NASA and programs that NASA have done and all the things, the robots with my mom. So from that time until now, I'm interested in that. And I'm interested in space. And um, that's, that's the reason that I'm interested in NASA. That that's fair enough. I mean, space is cool. Can't can't dispute yeah, that. Of course, I mean, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and you sound like a problem solver who who likes to approach really challenging engineering problems. So I that's that's space is right up there. So, <laughs> so Maya, now I know you are at the Ad Astra conference. I'm just curious your thoughts about uh, anything you learned from the conference, anything you got out of it that you you would like to share. I'd love to know. I think Intra was kind of life changing for me. Because I I see so many people, for example, I see so many astronauts, so many CEOs, so many successful people, and I talked with them, and I can say that I learned so many things from them, and I can put them as my role model and follow their path to be a successful person like them. And this is one thing that I really... Uh, appreciate about Interastra is that building connection with people. And um, even though I'm an undergraduate student, I built connection with so many amazing and successful people. And I'm really thankful for that, for having that opportunity to be with these amazing people and meeting all of them. I, I can imagine. I know there are a lot of astronauts, especially, uh, were there. So it, that's just really cool to meet them. I know they're, they're really amazing people. I'm sure you're asked a lot. Um, maybe advice you have for other people who are pursuing their own education. And I know you're still pursuing your own as well. But, um, you know, what, what advice do you have for people? Uh, I'm just curious. My advice is I never give up. Because if you give up, it's like finished. Everything is finished. Um, you may fail so many times. For me, I failed so many times in my life because I wanted to continue my education, but I was not able to continue my, my education for one year. And everything was in a very bad situation. But all of these situations are temporary. And if you are hopeful and try and work hard, you will pay off in future.
we'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Welcome back. Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, officially began last night. And Hanukkah this year is also being celebrated in space aboard the International Space Station. And I should mention, it's not the first time Hanukkah has been celebrated aboard the ISS. But last time in 2019, astronaut Jessica Meir wished everyone a happy Hanukkah with festive socks featuring menorahs and the Star of David. This time, astronaut Jasmine Mogbelli brought with her a real dreidel and a felt menorah with separate felt lights so she can light them for each night of the holiday. And it's all safe, no combustion aboard. Mogbelli made the felt menorah and lights with her husband and children, so this is her way of celebrating the Hanukkah holiday in parallel with her family, even from afar. And I mentioned the dreidel, which is honestly the star of the video that she posted. She starts spinning it, and, well, it spins and spins and spins and spins and spins, just floating there against a beautiful backdrop of our planet Earth below. I guess that's one way to win the spinning contest. No word yet on if Mogbelli will be making latkes aboard the ISS, but apparently she's trying to make that happen. We'll stand by for any updates on the pending potatoiness. A most delicious and happy Hanukkah to all who are celebrating. And that's it for T-minus for December 8th, 2023. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in a rapidly changing space industry. We are privileged that N2K and podcasts like T-Minus are part of the daily routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, from the Fortune 500 to many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester, with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Jen Iben. Our VP is Brandon Karpf. And I'm Maria Varmazis. Thanks for listening. Listening.